Hello, everyone, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor, thriving with stage four disease, and author of the book that shares the same name of this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. I hope you've been able to catch our recent episodes, including one with Danielle Desir, travel and finance writer who shared tips for personal finance during hard times, as well as pandemic travel. Or last week's episode with Megan, my college roommate, who shares a fun conversation about the upcoming holiday season and how we can still find ways to stay connected and celebrate. Now, if you've liked these episodes or others, please tell your friends and do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed. And now for this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Valerie Gordon, a 10-time Emmy award-winning producer who spent more than 20 years crafting stories for ESPN, HBO, CBS News, and the Olympics. She now runs her own career and communications firm, Commander and She, where she helps audiences and clients with strategic storytelling skills so they can land their next job and plan their next chapters. And with so many people experiencing hardship professionally right now, losing their jobs or experiencing incredible stressors from their current one, in this episode, Valerie provides a ton of tips on how to manage a job search and shares insights on how to navigate the uncertain. She is a wealth of information and her advice speaks for so many topics, both professional and personal. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you to Valerie Gordon, who is a lifelong storyteller. Now, after more than 20 years producing award-winning stories for ESPN, HBO, CBS News, and the Olympics, Valerie now helps audiences and clients with strategic storytelling skills so that they can land their next job, do amazing at their upcoming presentations, hey, climb the leadership ladder, and ultimately plan their next chapters. Now, she is a 10-time Emmy award-winning producer. She's received three Edward R. Murrow Awards for feature reporting. And hey, I remember learning about him in my Broadcasting 101 classes in college. And she's won five New York Festival Awards for both TV and radio. She's an adjunct professor at UConn, and she is the founder of the career and communications strategy firm, Commander and She. Now, while Valerie and I share a corporate past, both working for ESPN, we actually didn't meet until we both jumped into our entrepreneurial endeavors. So both of us are on the speaking circuit. We host keynote speeches and interactive workshops. And what's been amazing to me is that the two of us have really created our own community so that we can brainstorm together, share successes, and also sometimes provide motivation for each other. So let me tell you, I have gotten to know her and she is the real deal. Her business has skyrocketed, but most importantly, 
She's provided so much needed guidance and inspiration for those who are confused about their next chapters, especially their professional ones. Now, I know with so many people right now, we're experiencing hardship, especially professionally. Some people are losing their jobs, or even those that have them, they're experiencing incredible stressors from the role that they're in. And I wanted Valerie to come on to provide some suggestions on how to manage a job search right now, as well as sharing some insights into planning their next chapters. So Valerie, hi, and thank you for coming. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. What a nice introduction. Well, uh, you are so well-deserving of it. And it's really fun, like for me to, you know, I know people that I've worked with and, you know, hey, I knew that you were an Emmy um, award winner just from our ESPN days. But like then when I'm going and doing the research 10 times, I mean, that's pretty amazing. And and beyond the the work that you did at ESPN, you've you've really done so much and really grown with your entrepreneurial venture, which I've seen a lot of because, um, you know, I think what's fun for us is even though we do some similar things in terms of keynotes, um, you've really blossomed into doing these full day workshops and providing one-on-ones and webinars and I, I feel like I've had maybe not a front seat to it, but definitely a side seat to see where you've gone with it. And I feel the same about you. I think it's fun that we worked at the same company for so many years, and yet in that past chapter, we didn't know each other. I knew of you. I knew your name, but we didn't know each other. And now in this present chapter, it's amazing how much things can change. And obviously for both of us, that next chapter involves having our own businesses and the the work that we do, the similar work that we do, but also the opportunity to be a supporting character in each other's stories in ways maybe that we couldn't have done before. And that's what I love about thinking about your life and your career as a story is that every chapter does change who's in it and what you're doing. And so I'm thrilled and I feel like I've had a nice side seat to watching your success as well. And I just thank you for being part of my story and appreciate being part of yours. Well, and to your point, I think when I was growing up, the key word was networking. I think networking is still an important word, but I was so overwhelmed by it because my parents were mathematicians. Like I was never going to be able to be in TV or be on TV or work in entertainment, which sports, which was really what I wanted and, and actually what I ended up doing. But I thought I didn't have... I wasn't going to be able to do it because I didn't have the network. But so I've learned, and as you're putting it, like through the cast of characters that have played in each of my roles, they have helped me, you know, AKA network so that I can learn a lot and help showcase me, I guess, for the next great chapter in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's how we think of networking too. It's it's sort of the scary professional term, how do you do it right? When really all it is is sharing your story in a way that's of value to the audience, how you relate to other people and what you can bring to their lives. And when you think of networking that way, I think it becomes a lot less frightening. Well, and what's funny now, now I like to say to people that, and maybe this is me in my old age, but uh, you know, the, the older you, you, the older we are, the more we get to meet different people and and fi- find them. Whether it was at an event from years ago, or it's somebody we connect with at school. But I, I love 
the ability to stay in touch with people, especially when you don't need them. Because, right. and maybe that's because I, I, as I've said before, I love to talk on the phone, which is why I love this podcasting, but I love to keep in touch with people when I don't need them because maybe there will be a time when I do. And then we've already, already had that conversation back and forth. So I'm not just calling because I need something. Absolutely. And that really is the key to networking, particularly when you're looking for a job. Of course, most times what happens is people are so busy when they're working full time, they're barely getting through their day that they don't think about the time to network until they really need to rely on a network to find that next position. And to me, it shouldn't be a tool or a task or something you do only when you need it. You should do it just part of relationship building and what it can bring to your life. So if you see it not as a, as a, a, a means to an end, but as something just to enhance your life and to expand the relationships you have with people and the role they play in, in your lives, I think that, again, takes the, the frightening part out of it and also makes your network so much bigger and more reliable when you do need them. And I know that's something we're going to talk about today when we talk about those job search strategies for those who are currently looking. Well, why don't we just jump right in? I, I know right now is... I mean, for several months, maybe even several years, but definitely now with everything going on with the global pandemic, a lot of people are losing jobs. And even those that are still lucky enough to have a job, their roles are changing. Perhaps their paycheck has gone down because of a work situation or they're getting added responsibility, which means added stressors. And so I would love for you to talk about how people can approach job searching in this type of market. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll focus on that. I mean, it's obviously one of just many hardships people are going through right now. Um, I've seen it a lot with friends and former colleagues and clients who were either furloughed and are now being laid off or who are unemployed or underemployed or, you know, just struggling with some of the remote um, arrangements and, and managing their households and working from home. So there are many challenges right now. And in particular, I recently published an article on my blog about how 10 things to remember when you are unemployed, because um, especially as we've seen in media and sports and a, a number of broad, the worlds in the you know broadcasting world, there are a number of people who have lost their jobs recently, and I see them looking, and these are the tips that I would give to them as they manage this specific hardship. But when you think about hardships in general, you know, when you think about it from a story approach, this is just the present story and not necessarily where you'll be down the road. So we try not to get stuck in the disappointments or discontent of the moment, we try to think about how to create a more positive next chapter. But specifically um, for people who have been laid off, maybe it's been sudden or maybe they were expecting it, maybe they were just hoping that it wouldn't hit them, um, there's an immediate reaction. And my first tip to them would be to take a pause. Because when you hear that news, obviously, even if you're expecting it, it can feel shocking. And it might spur people into action. They might feel yeah. immediately the frenzy of there's no time to waste. We have to immediately find the next position to replace what's been lost. And so my first tip is just stop. Take a pause. 
take stock before you take any action so that the actions you will take will be meaningful and helpful. You know, you can't hit the ground running if you're not sure you're on solid ground. So take a moment to um, let that shock absorb and then think through a plan. That would be my number one tip. My second tip, and we can just sort of go through these one by one and and discuss them in more detail, would be allow yourself to feel all the feelings that you're having. So in that pause, validate the emotions you're having. And I've seen them across the board, like I said, from, from people I know who have recently lost their jobs. And there's anger. There's sadness. There's fear. Um, there's disappointment. There's jealousy, maybe, of people who weren't let go. And I think it's important to feel all of those feelings and not fault yourself for feeling them. Um, you know, there's no, there's no shame in it. Um, they might have received the message, look, this is just business, but the fact is we're, we're people. Yeah. We tend to take right. things personally and allowing yourself to at least feel the emotions and the wide range of that human experience is really important. It, it is okay to be human and to know that it's okay to feel that way and that you will be okay. A pause and feel all the feels would be my first two tips. I, what's interesting is, is I I can really relate to this really, really with any hardship, not just going through getting laid off. And you know, I know in in some of my personal hardship, when I have gone through maybe it's shock from a diagnosis, and then I feel all the feels. I what do I do? Is like I just let myself, you know journal because that's something that helps me get through kind of my feelings. And not everybody here is a writer. Some people are a talker and they want to talk to somebody. Some people are runners and they want to run and run it out so that they can kind of work through that emotion to get their self to a headspace because at some point they're going to have to put one foot in front of the other. I think that that is really great advice for any type of hardship and definitely one when you're like in this, you know, in this case, potentially losing your job. Yeah. And this is also for people who might be walking away from a job. I mean, I will say I'm fortunate that I never was laid off from a job, but I have walked away from a number of jobs when I realized just that it was time to close that chapter. And while that's, that's maybe less shocking in that I chose to do it, I wasn't surprised into, but at the same time, I still had to process the emotions around that loss of identity or that disappointment or whatever it was I was feeling at that time. So I've been through this in my own way, and I do think it's helpful to name the emotions And then we can move on to number three, my third tip, which is to plan, not to panic. Because when we think about losing our jobs or moving on from a job and starting anew, of course, there's that loss of identity. And there's also a loss of income, potentially health care. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why people get worried at this point. So I say, put together a plan, don't panic. I remember for me, when I left um, my longtime corporate role with really no safety net other than an idea of wanting to launch Commander and She, my my career and communication strategy firm. But at that point, it really was just an idea, not a well thought out business plan. And one of the things I did, which was sort of a quirky, odd thing to do, but I had a tendency to look around my house and look at all the stuff I had accumulated and wonder why I had it all and what it cost me and what I might get for it on the on the open market. Yeah. And 
it, it did help me sort of declutter because I did spend some time kind of going through my belongings and deciding what I really needed. But what helped me more than sort of looking around and panicking at, oh my God, why did I waste so much money on all this stuff, was then sitting down and looking at our monthly budget in a really practical way and determining that I could fairly easily, in our case, I was able to cut $1,000 out of that budget without really feeling too much of a pinch. I mean, there'd be fewer meals out. There wasn't going to be a big vacation. But I was able to fund my startup, my business, by really sitting down and making a plan with our household budget. So for anyone who finds themselves suddenly laid off or in a different financial situation, don't panic sit down and make that plan. Well, and it's interesting you say that I did the same thing too, because I chose to leave to go to grad school. And so, you know, luckily it worked out. I was able to give ESPN a few months notice. And so I I felt like I got the closure if I even needed that, which was nice. But to go into grad school, obviously I'm not making money, I'm dishing it out. And I did spend some time, like exactly like you're saying, looking at my budget, really looking at my budget. I mean, I had my husband bring home receipts to see what he was spending because sometimes we spend a lot of money on the little things and they really add up. And I'm not just talking like your coffee every day. It's what's the routine that you have. Now, again, everybody's routines are a little bit different right now, but I do think uh, when you're really busy and you've got a job or two, and your kids are going from activity to activity. If you have kids, there are things that we just naturally buy that we don't even really think about. It makes our life easier. And so if you are laid off or if you choose to leave, you can go through that exercise and and hopefully find a big chunk of money that you would be saving. Yeah, absolutely. And so the loss in some ways can turn into a gain. And what I love about your story about moving on and going to school, not just the budgeting for attending graduate school, but the change in identity from going from a corporate player to a graduate student. And that's my next tip. It's about embracing your identity and knowing that you are more than just your job title. This to me is the biggest challenge of people who've been laid off. And in particular, I think it might be even more apparent for men who so um, identify with their professional persona, with their professional title. So what I say to everyone is to know that you, you are more than your job title. You are more than the company that you work for. Okay, and that's this. Let- Let's go back and forth on that for a second because I know that's true. I, you know, we, that, that's such a strong statement, but how, if, if you're somebody who has been really proud of working where you've worked, you know, love it or hate it, it has become your identity, whether you admit it or not. Like, how do you walk away from that label and hold your, not that hold your head high, but you know, it's a mind game. And how do you suggest people navigate that? Right. Well, it's still part of your story. It's still very much a part of who you are, but it is not the only part. So this really is a disruption in what you do and who you do it for, not who you are. So when I work with clients, we we create a big picture profile, almost a, a character sketch of the many roles that they play so that they're not just, you know, a, a, a software programmer at company X or, you know, a graphic designer at at company Y, they're also a a 10-year veteran of their industry and a mom and a friend and a responsible colleague and 
a master of Excel or, you know, we look at all the skills and experiences that they have. That's your identity. Your identity is not only in a job title. That is one part of who you are. And yes, for many people, it's a central part. So we accept the, you know, going back to that step about accepting all the feelings, there is a feeling of loss in that professional identity, but you are still you and you carry with you all the work that you've done and the success that you've had and the challenges you've overcome. Come. And by the way, you carry with you that chapter that you spent. For some people, it's a very long chapter if they've only worked for one company. You carry that with you. It is still part of your story, but it is not the only part of your story. It's part of your past story, and now we get to use it as we want in creating this future story. It's like when you introduced me as, as, as a 10-time Emmy Award winner, which always feels a little awkward to me because um, it, to me, it's not the most interesting thing about me, but I will say I've worked with many talented people over the years, and I will own that chapter of my life, but it's not something I lead with now because to me, this is part of the backstory that has made me who I am and a solid storyteller and, and someone who believes in the power of story. And I use that to propel my story forward. And so everyone can do, can do that. Use that job title and the company you work for as part of your backstory and take it with you, the best parts of it, into your future. That's powerful. That is really powerful. It's still and a then part we can, of you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just saying it, it's still a part of you. But how can you mentally talk to yourself about how it's a part of me, but moving forward, I'm opening new doors and I'm going to take the essence of who I am to find the right fit. Right. And some of that is, is getting past this, the, the negativity of the loss and seeing it for what it was a very important part. And think about everything that it did for you and what you learned and, and what it brought for you and focusing on the positive. And I think by doing that and by working on some exercises to help draw out the positive and not focus on the negative, oh, no, I'm no longer this. Okay, but I can use this to find um, what I go to next. And I'll tell you, Karen, it's interesting. A lot of the people I work with, when you really get into what they're feeling, that emotional part, it's amazing to me how many people talk about a feeling of relief, a feeling of relief that this happened, maybe because they knew it was coming or they were worried about their job yeah. security or they didn't even really like what they did that much. And they do realize once they start that next chapter that they can look back at this as, you know, not something of loss, but as an opportunity that was given to them to be able to move on to something new. So while it might not feel like that in the beginning, yeah. it will ultimately feel like that. And one of the things that they can do um, to, to sort of move that process along is to take action and to reach out to their extended network to let people know, you know, there's no shame in having been let go. This is a, a, a common experience that a lot of people are going through right now. And I think a lot of people, given the shock and the feeling of loss, have this urge to hide. You know, they just want to hide under the covers, which, by the way, I say, go for it. You can spend a solid few days under <laughs> yeah, the covers. Right. That's fine. You know, but after a few days, it's time to come out and to reach out. So I suggest to people, take action. Let, let friends and family 
know what's going on and that you'll need their support and assurances. Let your extended network know that you were looking. Rely on that cast of supporting characters and also know that you'll meet new ones along the way, but that it's okay to let people know, hey, here's what's happening after 10 years my position was eliminated or my company downsized or, you know, I got fired the other day and I'm going to be looking for a new role and I could use your help with this. Sometimes we just need to believe in ourselves again and being able to reach out to and rely on those people who believe in us is all that it takes. Yes. yes. I, I agree with you. And one of the things I love about you, Karen, goes into my next tip because you are one of the most positive people that I know. I know through all the hardship that you've endured, you've always had such a positive mindset and you're great at helping people find that positivity, that happiness in the face of hardship. So I know a lot of clients that I work with tend to have a little bit of a negative uh, Nelly narrator in their head, you know, that voice in your head that kind of talks to you through the day. And so when we have a sudden shock, like a job loss, we tend to think worst case scenario, like, oh no, I've lost my job. I'm never going to find another one. Or now's a bad time to be looking, or I must be really bad at what I did for them to let me go. We tend to follow this negative voice, and we take that negative outlook or that negative narrative into the future where suddenly everything's going wrong, right? Like we're going to, we lost our job, we're going to lose our home, we're going to wind up homeless, and you know, all these horrible scenarios we might start thinking about. And so I suggest to clients to really start Uh, to intentionally change the narrative on that and to lead with positivity. You know, why would you want to jump on this runaway train to this awful future location? Instead, what might the optimal outcome be of this scenario? How can we, you know, put our energies into creating the plot points necessary to get to a better next chapter? What What might be good about the scenario that we can maybe go back to school or explore um, an area that we had always loved but didn't have the time to do before or rethink what life looks like at at midday. And even the small moments of positivity, and I know that you're a big believer in Uh in finding joy in the day, you know, maybe now that you don't have to be on that early morning Zoom call, you can actually sit for that hot cup of coffee. You can take a midday walk. You can, you know, you have time now to give back to yourself in ways that you didn't have before. And some of those little moments of joy can help you uh, have a more positive outlook overall. I also think that when you're working in, as many of us call the rat race, or working under conditions that are incredibly stressful, So you always feel on, you always feel, one always feels angst, or often, it is really hard to be present. Yes. And there are, for those of you who are listening that do yoga, and trust me, I spent many years, I love to laugh at when I'd be working in Bristol, I would drive an hour down to a hot yoga studio, and I would go in and I'd bring my cell phone in case I got an email or a message. I mean, how present am I being in a yoga class, right? Um, I laugh at it now, but there, I know that we, we all have been in places or many of us that it's really hard to be present and we think we are, but we're not. To be able to just sit, like you said, drink a cup of coffee or to go on a walk in nature where you're not on a conference call and you're not catching up with friends and just to look around you and take some deep breaths. And it sounds like really 
silly, but it is amazing when, when we slow down how calming that can be. I am such a person that I have always been about multitasking because I get more done. I'm always about rushing around the house because if I do it faster, I will get done sooner and I can accomplish more. But let me tell you, it doesn't always help and the net result is not always as good. So sometimes I find my positivity even during a hard time in just trying to bring myself back to a present moment and kind of tapping on those senses. Like, what am I seeing right now? Is there anything good that I like? Oh yeah, there's a butterfly. Like, that's kind of pretty. Oh, did it make me think of this? And again, this might sound really woo-woo to a lot of people, but try it. Yeah, I, absolutely. I so and, many. And you and I things. are a lot alike in that too. I mean, I I was sort of the ultimate, you know, hamster on the wheel and thinking I was getting somewhere and I love to get everything done and I love my to-do list. And you get a, you get used to that busyness. So that the moment you have the opportunity to slow down, it's really uncomfortable. And you wonder, what is the point of looking at this butterfly? You know, and it does take practice. But one of the reasons people don't like to slow down is then they have to sort of sit with all that discomfort, that 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 current, you know, I'm so used to being busy and now yes. I'm not. And it's uncomfortable. And that and actually leads certain, me yeah. to my next tip about you need to get comfortable with uncertainty. You know, so many of us, we want to know how the story is going to end. We want to know it now. Am I going to be happy? Am I going to get what I want? Is all my hard work going to pay off? And when you suffer an unexpected loss or a layoff, you know, it's like, well, this is not the way the story was supposed to go and, and what's going to happen next. But uncertainty is actually a great story element. Um, and also, if there's only any one certainty, it's that there will always be uncertainty, even if you haven't lost your job. You know, that feeling of, oh, gosh, am I going to be in the next wave? And how do I, you know, how do I make sure that I'm ready if and when that comes? So we have to trust a little bit that we might not always know the outcome, but we can still proceed with the actions to get us to where we want to go. And I like to break it down into small steps while still picturing what is the ultimate or the optimal outcome that I want to achieve. And knowing that uncertainty is always going to be there, but that you can be the active author of that next chapter through the actions that you choose. And some of those actions, as you said, are ways of slowing down and noticing what's around you and getting comfortable with the discomfort or the space or the silence and then using it effectively. I think that is a tool that in any aspect of life, whether you're working, whether you're not, whether you're dealing with illness, whether you're dealing with aging parents or new babies, I mean, insert story here is dealing with uncertainty and change is always happening in our lives. And Mm -hmm. so while it doesn't feel good almost all the time, being able to find a way to navigate and and that's where I tapped into healthy living, mm-hmm. call it modalities, is that I, you know, taking a left turn, I spent, for those of you that are new to me, four months after my stage four diagnosis, where I did not know if I was going to live for four months or if I was going to live for four decades. And that's a lot of heavy uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And... So rather than sit and stress out about it all, which I'm telling you I did sometimes, and I think that's okay, I 
came up with a plan of what I needed to do. I called it like my business of cancer. And as you know, at, at the one of the, my biggest call it role models, it was a past president of ESPN, George Bodenheimer. And he always told us about being a student of the business. And so I always looked at that as being, I'm a student of the business with my work. But then when it came to my cancer, I thought, okay, I'm going to be a student of this business. And I'm going to try and figure out what I can with the uncertainty in my life. And then when I start to get extra stressed, I'm going to go try yoga. I am going to try some breathing exercises. I'm going to try all these different things, eating better, whatever it might be. And hey, what works for me may not work for you. But I think knowing that there is a way to come up with, as you put it, like a small step plan, as well as figuring out how you can deal with the uncertainty can really be helpful. Absolutely. And, and what I love about your story, and, and, and again, you're talking about sort of the ultimate hardship too. And in some ways, it's important to, to recognize that whatever hardships we're facing, there are always greater challenges out there. But what I love about it, Karen, is essentially what you're saying is what I teach is active authorship of your own story, is finding your own way to not get stuck in a bad situation, but to do what you can to allow yourself to move forward with intention and with optimism. And now look at that, those first few steps you did with healthy living and maybe I'll try yoga, you created a whole company around it and you have helped so many hundreds of people through your own journey and your book. So, I mean, those small steps became really uh, an entire uh, movement really to help anyone who has a cancer diagnosis and the people they love them too. And that to me is actively authoring not only your story, but impacting so many other people's story stories as well. And I so appreciate that. And it's interesting you mentioned to me the, uh, you mentioned the idea of, you know, be, being in the business of learning the business. And to me, especially when you're thinking about a job search, your business now is the business of you. Your life's work is finding your life's work. And so you need to treat your job search or the creation of this next chapter as your current job and give it the same care and attention you've given your, your paid work over however many years. You know, you are now the CEO of, of you and you need to be good to the boss. You're the boss. <laughs> So how do we do that? Obviously, it's moving forward with intention. And one of the things we can do, if you want to talk about practical steps uh, related to a job search, is updating your toolbox, your job toolbox. And that's everything from your, your resume, making sure it's not only up to date, but specific and, and value-driven to the reader. And making sure that you, I find LinkedIn to be a wonderful resource, but don't just post your profile and hope that recruiters will come to you. Get active, sharing content in your area of expertise. Get connected with, you know, groups in your industry and engage. And that's how you're going to meet people who have the ins to those jobs. So it's, to me, these are the small steps you can take that will pay off in the end. And sometimes just setting those small goals for yourself, like today I'm going to revisit my LinkedIn profile or have someone look at my resume or reach out to five people that I worked with, you know, to let them know where I am right now. Those small steps are what help us actively author turning the page to the next chapter. I also think that it's a time updating your toolbox could have so many steps to it, right? You talk about the practical, what you need. You talk about the networking opportunities. But I 
believe there's so much, whether it's social media or just communication platforms out there, that if you're looking for a job in sports, start your own sports blog, right? Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a job in, you know, I don't know, throw one out there. We, You and I know sports, but you're an accountant and you want to do something um, looking for a next finance role. Can you reach out to a trade organization and do some remote volunteering? There are ways that we can creatively update our toolbox, get more experience, meet a few new people. This is something that I actually, when I talk to college students, will tell them if they want to do something, start to figure out roles that they might be able to sample it themselves because that's going to be another thing to talk about in an interview, another place to meet people along the way. And again, it it can be really job specific or interest specific, but there are ways you can get online nutrition degrees if you want to do a side hustle while you're looking. I think that there's a lot of opportunity to try new things that can help update that toolbox. Absolutely. And to know that it's sort of in a constant state of being updated. Basically, what you're asking is the question of, well, you know, who do you want to be and what do you want to do? And I think a lot of people are clear on that, but sometimes something like a job loss or a transition or just a waking up one day and realizing, hey, this isn't making me happy can make people stop thinking about that toolbox because they're trying to figure out, well, what do I do now? You know, who do I want to be? You know, I, I, I know that many people as kids, they're asked that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think we should ask that question as adults as yeah, well because uh-huh. it can change over time. Right. And so identifying your gifts and owning your own skills and interests and awesomeness and then figuring out where that can take you is where it starts. Where I notice most people get stuck is that they're waiting to figure it out first. Like they say, if I only had the clarity, you know, and and the confidence to, to do this, then I would, if I knew what I wanted and I was confident enough to go for it, I would. And what I say is you're using the wrong words the wrong C words. It's not even about clarity and confidence to start. It's a different C word. All you need to start that next chapter is curiosity, a sense of curiosity. What might happen if I try this? And you take those small actions and you sign up for the course or you give the talk or you start the blog or, you know, you think about who you want to be and who you want to serve and how you can best help them. And you use that with a sense of curiosity to explore it. And from that, from those steps, that's where the clarity and the confidence comes from, from the actual doing of it. I see so many people waiting waiting for permission from whom I don't know, waiting for the right amount of money or the right time to get started when really there's no right perfect time and you will never feel ready. Whatever you're curious about, take a few steps to explore it and know that by doing so, that's how you'll get the clarity and the confidence. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love, love, love that. I think that's so important. It goes back to hashtag just do it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we're nervous, we're scared, we're... Whatever it might be, the feelings, the, the the thoughts get overwhelming and we just don't move forward. And so I love that. Valerie, I'm so grateful for your insight. I feel like we could talk for hours 
I'm sure we could. Several. I'm sure we could. And I want, I want to leave you with one more seed because most people say that they need courage. And what I want to explain is we always feel a little fearful. We're always a little scared, but courage isn't the absence of fear. It's feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And my final tip, Karen, if I do, because I do want to get this in for anyone who's experiencing some hardship right now or a job loss or whatever their issue might be, to know that this is just the current chapter and not the end of the story. I saw this wonderful quote when I was in Washington, D.C. not too long ago. It was on a statue outside the National Archives, and the quote at the statue said, the past is prologue. And because I'm all about story, I was like yeah. taking a photo of it, uh-huh. and then I looked it up because I wanted to know where it was from, and it's William Shakespeare. It's from The Tempest. The past uh-huh. is prologue. And so what I take that to mean is that everything we've done to this point is prologue. It's the beginning of the story. Your story starts now. And so this hardship moment is just a small action to get this next chapter started, the inciting action or the conflict in the story that's going to launch you into the next chapter. Don't let this disappointment, you know, or anyone else define the role that you're going to play in your own story when you can be the active author of your own success. Wow. 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 On so many levels. Valerie, I have tears in my eyes and I am so grateful that you've come to share such a wealth of information with all of us. I mean, to the listeners out there and, and to everybody, all your clients and people who have seen you speak. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And on that note, I know you've listened to the podcast before, and I know that you know that we play the grateful game at the end of every episode. So I want to know, would you play with me? Sure, of course. So for all you who are new to me, basically I end most days or nights with my son where we play what we call the grateful game. We give each other a certain amount of time and see who can list what they are grateful for and why, and whoever has the highest number wins. So I say, Valerie, we go for about 45 seconds. I will tee it off and then I'll toss it to you. Okay, perfect. All right. So I think as we're sitting here talking about our past lives and our past work, I think I'm just um, such a a beautifully um, amazing heart full of gratitude for all my friends from Disney and ESPN. I have been so grateful to stay in touch with so many of them from Lori's squad, a group of women that I do Zoom calls with now, um, to a whole slew of people when I had the baby, what, 11 years ago. I was nervous about coming back and managing my career, and there were so many people from Carolyn to Jen Piggott to Lori and Jane to Lamar, my old boss, and Dave and Pete and Sean Breen that really, really, really helped me navigate that new chapter in my career. And then through my cancer experiences, both Jane and Michelle walked me to the hospital and took me out beforehand. Susan, Lori, Jessica, and Carolyn were all there through the beginning of the stage four. They have been by my side and I just love them so much. And then of course, and I'm going to cry thinking about it, one of my dearest friends in life, Susan, our offices were next to each other. And since I left, and she's still there, we have still managed to stay so close, and it means the world that she is one of my most thoughtful, caring, and amazing friends, and now our boys are friends too. So I guess, I'm not sure if that was one or three, but I am (laughs) tossing it to you. I am so full of gratitude for all them. 
That is so sweet, Karen. And I think that your close relationships with so many people say so much about who you are and the relationships that you foster. And so I am, I'm going to start by saying I'm grateful for you. This conversation felt like about 90 seconds. I could talk to you forever. I love just the light and the positivity that you share. And I'm so glad that we're sharing this next chapter of both of ours together. I so, so appreciate you and the work that you do. And I also appreciate, um, I'm grateful for the reminder today about those little moments of joy, because I was thinking that, you know, I've always been the kind of person rushing from one thing to the next and one accomplishment to the next and what can I do now? And one of the things I have noticed in being able to sort of slow down and be more intentional about what I'm planning for my own next chapter is how little it takes to make me happy. I love, I'm so grateful to be able to (laughs) take my dog for a walk. I love my dog. I'm so grateful to live in a beautiful place where the leaves are falling and this is my favorite time of year before it gets too cold and to just sort of soak that in. And I'm so grateful for things like, you know, my morning cup of coffee and the occasional evening glass of wine, sometimes more than occasional. And just being able to have that, I think I was never the kind of person who appreciated those little moments. And being grateful for them makes them mean so much more. So thank you for that reminder about finding those little moments of joy and positivity to add to our stories. Oh, I think we tied. And it was so beautiful. Thank you for (laughs) thanking me. Thank you for thanking me. Uh, Now, for those who are new to you, where can they find you? Because you have so much valuable information if they're just checking in with social media or they want to hire you. Oh, perfect. And I don't just do, I don't just help people who are out of work. I mean, storytelling strategies to me are about everything from how we brand ourselves to the presentation skills. And I even work with corporations on helping their sales teams through storytelling. So um, they can find me at commanderinshe.com. Commander-in-she.com is my website. And you can sign up for my newsletter there and follow my blog. I blog about everything from um, enhancing, you know, the stories we tell about ourselves to controlling our inner narrator to the myth of work-life balance. They can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm Valerie J. Gordon, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as well, at Commander in She. One word is the handle, and I would love to see them there. And if anyone is interested in in more um, personal assistance or has a group where they're looking for a speaker, please do check out my website and let me know. I'd be happy to come run a storytelling workshop for you or your team. Well, again, Valerie, thank you so much. And to all the listeners out there, I hope you're having a good day. I hope you found this insightful. I know I sure did. And I'm wishing you just good vibes and good luck however you're navigating the hardship professionally and personally as well. So take care, everyone, and bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us too. If you love us, they might as well. And now, my parting words. If you have a little time or can make a little time, Grab some stationery or make your own and send a few notes in the mail to someone who has helped you in your career. An email, a text, a call, they're also a possibility, but truly the recipient will want or feel the need to reply to those. So I believe that snail mail is this beautiful lost art that can provide a smile to the recipient's face 
without needing a follow-up. Now, this will likely leave a lasting impression, and they may also take your call later down the road when you actually need something. So, happy writing, and thank you for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.